Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Grab your toothpick and anti-hero cape. We're covering Scott Hall's early career. You listen to Conrad and Eric. Now hang out with us. This is After 83 Weeks with Christy Olson. That's me. I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Hey, bros, hanging out there in the live chat. Hello, 83 Weeks fans. Welcome to the show that is just for you. We're all 83 Weeks fans, too, and we're going to break down the latest episode of the show featuring Scott Hall's early career, coming to WCW, all that good stuff. Thank you so much for hanging out with us live on YouTube. A ton of people in the chat. Hello, Dustin and Joe and Dermot and Ben. So great to be hanging out with you guys. And, uh, you know, it's not just going to be me here running this party. Please welcome to the party uh, the digital producer for Eric's 83 Weeks channel. Hi, Steve Kaufman. Hello. Um, I think in honor of the Razor Ramon of it all, I yes. shaved my beard. I That's why. like it. I know. Although it took us all a long time to be like, wait, something's different about Steve. Well, because you guys saw me at a Halloween party (laughs) Saturday where I was, I had a fake mustache. Right. And you guys just didn't realize, like, oh no, he had to completely shave his beard. That was a fake mustache? Yeah. I'm sorry. Never mind, it was a real mustache. Yeah, that's why we were disoriented on Saturday. I was Gomez Adams. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you were Gomez? I thought you were, no, never mind. Oh, and that (laughs) angelic voice you hear, we call him the Encyclopedia of Sports Entertainment because he knows pretty much everything, but he's also an independent wrestler. Say hello to George Hermosa. I do know pretty much everything. I I like adding that pretty much because, like, it kind of implies, like, I don't know everything, but pretty much everything. I mean, normally I wouldn't give somebody that much credit, but I think you have proved yourself over the years here. At uh, after eighty three weeks, hey guy, hey Brennan from the Underdogs. You love this podcast. We love you guys. I want to thank you again for joining us live. Make sure you hit that subscribe button because this is the channel where you can get all those cool clips from eighty three weeks too. Everything that Eric and Conrad have to share, and you know, give us a little thumbs up. Eric does join us via Skype to answer your questions sometimes. As you can imagine, he's been a little preoccupied lately, but we do plan on having him back again very soon. And I know you guys probably all have a ton of questions for him, as do we. But we did get some answers to a few of those questions on this episode of 83 Weeks. It used to just be all about whatever the topic was, all about back in the day, but now so much going on in Eric's life that they have to touch a little bit on all the big news, which they did this week. What uh, Did you get any juicy stuff that you were really waiting for? on this episode, guys? I, I know how much you love the juice and the dirt and the scoop. I mean, it, it pretty much confirmed that it sounds like, just reading between the lines, that uh, he did get let go. Yes. It wasn't something where he said, like, hey, maybe it's not for me, or maybe I'm just not fitting in. Wasn't it sounds like it, it Yeah, it was, it was Vince McMahon's uh, choice by himself. Um, but, I mean, I, I like that we kind of already kind of figured uh, a lot of the mumbo jumbo that we heard in the last week and a half about all the rumors, like, well, that can't be true. There's no way that can be true. And obviously, Eric putting a lot of it to, to bed. Um, so it was just good him, good for him to to acknowledge those things. I think the the story I heard that made the most sense to me was. 
that creative meetings would happen at all hours of the night because WWE Creative is to a pretty much an audience of one. But Eric would leave at 7 p.m. and turn his phone off. That made sense to me, that that's what the reports were, that there would be a creative meeting at 3 o'clock in the morning, like, we can't find Eric. And it's like, yeah, he's, he's sleeping. <laughs> he's sleeping. That's an unrealistic expectation of him. And I think we heard him mention on this episode how companies company culture is something you can't change. Mm-hmm. And I think by that he meant specifically, like, I don't know, I came in and thought you gave me the authority, not the task. Right. You gave me the ability to run the show, not the task of being up at 3 a.m. because of the whims. Mm-hmm. And like well, that I, became a I'm fundamental sh- difference. I'm sure Eric gave it 100% and he knew what he was getting in for. He called the job on this show before he even went a 24-hour-a-day job mm-hmm. or something. So he was fully prepared for that and I'm sure was working 24 hours a day. And especially, too, I think kind of going back to maybe his way of how he ran a company, which is, again, I'm going to say it right now, there's nothing wrong with how he ran WCW, but I always remember him saying like, oh, you know, around this time, you know, I would go on vacation or I would do this or, you know, like, you know, there'd be a lot of times where there wasn't Eric Bischoff around in WCW. Again, nothing wrong with going on vacation after, you know, you work hard. But I just I remember always thinking like, I don't remember ever hearing about Vince McMahon. Um, you know, going on vacation. I'm sure he, maybe he he has to at some well, point. Heard well, so. this has been fun, guys. We're clearly going to get canceled off this channel <laughs> well, because you guys are talking all kinds of bullshit no, about not Eric at all. and like, his work ethic. And, and, and again, no. it's one of those where it's like maybe just because then he said it himself, like maybe he just didn't fit in. Mm-hmm. So I, again, it's all about maybe the culture, as as he mentioned. There's and, a lot more bullshit to that culture than expecting you to work 24 hours a day. Well, yeah, but I think that's what he clashed with, and they ultimately made their choice. I don't. I don't think we're like. I highly doubt that that was the issue. Really? What do you What do yes. you think then? It's. I like... think that he was used, as I said last week. I think he was used for publicity, then set up to fail, and then you know, unceremoniously balled up into a little ball like a piece of paper and thrown into the garbage as if he wasn't a human being. So his discourse had nothing to do. So no, no, and... I don't think it would have mattered what he did while he was there. Really? Really? Okay. I and... thought that. I thought. I am the only person who thinks this. I've been talking to lots of fans the last couple weeks. No one agrees with me. Anybody in the in the chat? Dermot said, "I'd say Vince gave him the boot and took control back from him." It sounds a little. It sounds a little. uh, It sounds relieving as well, knowing that I mean he's he's in good spirits. Uh, And it's funny because he kind of answered a question that I always had when he first got hired. I'm like, "How long does he plan on doing this?" Uh, He said he had like a two three year plan. You know, because obviously. We, we all kind of think, like, how long does is this... Because we hear about things changing all the time in WWE. You know, obviously, so much has happened in the last few years where, I mean, even when the Fox deal is over in five years, like, what's going to happen after that? Like, are they going to keep being on Fox? Are they going to go down to FS1? So but many Eric things... Eric wasn't even planning to be there for exactly, that Exactly, exactly. So kind of knowing that... Obviously, he didn't plan on being there for two, three months. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least knowing that, like, hey, it didn't work out. I'm sure he already had a backup plan uh, in place, knowing that he was going to be there for a, a longer than a couple years so I'm excited to see what is going to be next for Eric Bischoff it's going to be something in wrestling I know he's got the the movie still that he's working on yes know, the with, Hulk Hogan yeah, biopic right yeah, yeah. and we might get a Hell in a Cell 2019 show I'm only half kidding and we might get an 83 days podcast he hasn't ruled that out Was I think that was the big bombshell from this whole episode yeah. like the idea the idea that somebody said 83 days with Eric Bischoff and it wasn't like, oh, that was in poor taste and how dare you and I've been there longer than 83 days. It was like, no, that might be a really funny podcast. That won't happen. Um, 
It won't. Why? It won't Just because you think soon. he's barred by a non-disclosure agreement? One, yeah, but not. I don't think he's barred. But it's like, I don't know, it's just what, 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 what juicy stuff is he gonna have? Brennan, this is this episode's about Kevin Dunn. Like, I don't right. know. Uh, Brennan said he knew it wasn't going to last. No, I think talking about what went down while he was there, the bringing W, bringing whatever the hell show it was, who cares, to Smackdown, Fox, yeah. yeah, bringing SmackDown to Fox. Like, I think probably people would be interested in hearing what goes on behind the scenes. Well, I can tell you from an SEO, from a search standpoint. Yeah. If he spoke on it, even if he didn't really say much, people would watch. Right, absolutely. Or listen, depending on, you know, depending on their their platform. So there's something there. It's a matter of how much is he willing to divulge mm-hmm. is really the crux of the show. Mm-hmm. And also, since it's he, well, he was only there four months, mm-hmm. how like that's a limited run kind of a show. Mm-hmm. That if, if it were possible, I think... I think it would be really good, especially under the Conrad guise of he would pull up a Forbes article or a publicly known thing about the TV deal and Mm -hmm. was like, hey, this is what the report said at that time. Yeah. You were in the room. Are you able to disclose? Were were Fox executives unhappy with a four million debut? Were they unhappy with a dip? Were, Were you privy to those conversations? Like, I don't. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff I want to know. I'm really down for an 83 Days podcast. It won't happen. Not sorry, all. sorry to be so negative. I don't think it'll happen. What's the wager? I mean, uh, it, w- <laughs> I'll host it if Conrad's busy. Uh, you know, there's a possibility as well that Eric doesn't even know what happened with his exit. Who knows what he was told? Who knows if it is the truth? Who knows if he buys it as the truth? I mean, he the, there might not really be a story there. Unfortunately, I would hate that. Please, please, fingers crossed that that's not mm. the case. I mean, at least, at least we know it was nothing with Bruce either. Like, I know a lot of people are, are speculating, like, oh, it was Bruce that ran out, Eric Bischoff. Honestly, what I think happened is, like, when he got into that role, he realized maybe he wasn't just right for that authoritative setting. And he maybe he found that maybe Bruce was being the experience that he has, that he was the one kind of running the show and was like, oh, maybe this isn't for me or maybe... Eric has run a very successful production how, company but, of his own. But he hasn't done wrestling in, like, 20 years. Also, when he ran a production company, he ran a production company. He obviously he Bruce had, had been out of the game for quite a while too. Also, Only like, ten, but yeah, but he was at least back. He's been back since like March, kind of being groomed for that role. Well, I, he did, wasn't given to him because that wouldn't have <laughs> made any headlines, right? <laughs> see, do you go see what I'm saying? Uh, you're you're not wrong. I, I, I don't. Well, know. I might be wrong. <laughs> I think it'd be fascinating to hear. Even, like, especially if this was all a complete blindside to Eric, mm-hmm. that would still be a fascinating podcast to be like, if this was a blindside, like, what did you think on day two? Right. What did you think on day two if we find out day eight, 83 yeah. quotes? Well, well, as you said, he did, Eric did go way out of his way to make sure everybody knew that him and Bruce are cool. Uh, he and Mrs. B were having dinner at Bruce's house the night before and he really really wanted us wanted to put those kind of reports to, mm. to bed to death well, what Kill I do, him. what I would like to ask him one day is how much of how much of it is that they put him in charge of a show but then he had answered to Fox and Vince McMahon and how much of that was just out of his element and how much of it was the company culture or you know perhaps he was told he would have some time to kind of acclimate and their expectations were that he start doing things sooner and he mm. thought he was still supposed to be acclimating that that actually jives with our intera- our said. interaction with him around that time like yeah. he didn't move from Wyoming quickly like it took a month or two for him to actually move from Wyoming and then We'd, we'd talk to him while he was in Stanford, and he'd be like, yeah, you know, my role is still being defined. I'm acclimating. I'm, yeah. I'm there. I'm kind of talking to him. So, like, 
That that sounds right too. That they expected him to hit the ground running faster than he thought. Right. Would be. I don't know. There's a lot of moving parts here. I think there's a little bit of truth in everything. Like even to the point where like he got hired maybe to be the scapegoat because we, remember when he first got announced, they didn't get announced on separate days. They got announced on the no, same day. No, it was day. about him and it was, Paul Amy. Yeah, and, and it was just bringing having, back the '90s and getting all yeah, the guys here that age WWE, interested WCW, again. WCW, ECW, yeah. like wow, like the, the three guys that rule the '90s. Yes. Now that it's like all right, the news is done. It's settled. Fox has started. Cool. Now you know. Let's let's really really set in stone what everybody's playing. I mean, this is publicity 101. It really is. And I am so positive that that's I didn't take that class, so maybe that's why. Well, either way, Eric is keeping his WWE, uh, what do they call it again? Oh, my God, you guys. WWE Network subscription. Wow. Wow. I thought you were going to talk about something. I thought you were going to talk about something way juicier, like the phone or like. Is, oh, if the, no. If the phone that they give you as an employee, like, there's a special Oh, no, they're not it. letting you out of the building with the <laughs> phone or the computer. No, 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 no. They like, like they're, like, taking, like, before you, that's how you know what's happening. Because they just start talking and they take the phone and then they take the computer and then maybe you get it. And then maybe they set a phone down in the middle between you and then maybe Michael Cole's voice comes over a speakerphone. You know, maybe that's what ha- I don't know. I'm just guessing. They, you know, there's an exit interview. They ask for the badge back. They they shred it in front of you, all the things. Yeah, pretty much, and then they like shove you out the door. Wow. Yeah. This this is a wonderful, pure example, <laughs> hypothetical situation. Hypothetical. That's just my guess. And it, honestly, there's no reason why anybody should ever cancel the WWE Network. It's like the greatest value in the world, to be honest with you. Well, uh, we have to keep it because of this show and because they cover a lot of pay-per-views often. Uh, I want to check in with the chat really quick. Ken Terminated by Google said, Does Christy know that Bischoff run his production company with Jason Harvey, not on his own? Yes, that is true. However, you know, he's still running things. But, like, he, co- he co-owned with a partnership of yeah. a production company, whereas... Working with WWE, it's very much Vince. And then if you're do if you're producing something with WWE for Fox, yeah. it's Vince and then Fox. So that that doesn't feel like a lot of autonomy, to be very honest. Like if I like if I'm producing a show under Vince for Fox, like what like that that doesn't actually feel like a role where I have much choice mm-hmm. beyond what those two people want. Interesting. Paul in the chat said Jim Cornette already covered the topic on Eric. Did Jim Cornette talk about this on his show? God damn. I don't know. He did. He did. He did. I I didn't listen to it though. Oh, I do actually remember when Jim Cornette covered the the Paul Heyman, Eric Bischoff news. Yeah. Jim Cornette was pretty flat out when he said, well, one of those, one of these people are going to get fired. And if I had, and if I had my money, it would be, it'd be Paul Heyman because that guy doesn't know how to do business. Interesting. That's that was Jim. That was a paraphrase of what Jim Cornette said about all this. So Jim Cornette was wrong on this, where he thought it would be Paul Heyman. First. Yeah, that was an odd guess because Paul's been they embedded in Paul the company Heyman. for years. Yeah, but, that wasn't going to happen. But in a way, in a way where they don't deal with him day to day, he comes in and handles Brock's stuff and leaves. So Gosh. the fact that they, I don't know, maybe he got more involved in people's creative low key over the years. I wouldn't be shocked on that. That they're kind of used to, and maybe he kind of dealt with all the stuff. And thank you for the super chat. Super chat can terminate by Google. Yay! I think is that our first one ever? Uh, that is our first Yay! super chat. Yay! Hey, what? Man, this is so much fun. We've only been live with you guys for a few weeks now, but we are enjoying it. And thank you so much. Ken terminated by Google. You will never be terminated by after 83 weeks. You are our favorite super fan of the week. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's cool. Well, Matthew in the chat said Eric Bischoff needs to go to AEW. King Possum said, nah, AEW's overrated. 
I think that's probably what they're all watching right now. Well, I think if they could, ma- if they, if AEW could match Eric's pay and kind of put him in a position where he can revitalize, I, that's not out of the realm of possibility. I think part of the timing of his hiring was that all of those positions got filled while he was over at the WWE. Mm-hmm. That if you want to talk strategy, overall strategy for the WWE, not that they consider this a war. Or like a real, like this one million viewed show on Wednesday nights, a real competition to their shows that aren't on Wednesday nights. Yeah. But there is something to be said personnel-wise. Like, no, no, we're going to lock up a lot of talented people so Mm -hmm. they don't wind up anywhere else. Yeah. Juicy. I don't think they'd hire Eric Bischoff, though. Because the whole point of it is like, you want to hire somebody so the other company doesn't get them. Mm -hmm. But why would you hire a guy that just got fired from WWE? Like, you know they don't want him. So why would you pick him? Why would you be so quick to pick him up? If I were AW- I don't think everyone in the business regards WWE as doing everything right or the best one or the most well-run promotion. I know, but they are still number one. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that the people that they get rid of are bad at their jobs. No, not that bad, but I'm saying like they're not going to be in such a rush to hire somebody because they know that just for the sake of like, for example, WWE will hire people because they don't want the other companies to get them. Mm-hmm. AEW are not going to do that with Bischoff because the other company doesn't want them. They're not. They don't have to worry about the other company snatching him up. I, I they just expect a very angry phone call from Eric Bischoff himself. <laughs> no, not really, because he doesn't give two craps. Uh, probably what, what anyone, anyone thinks. Yeah, like, <laughs> he, know, he, he knows his place here. I I would argue, as a pure outsider looking in on the whole situation, if AEW has any interest in Eric, it's as an on-screen personality. That would be the way like, to do it now. That yeah. And I honestly think that show could benefit from the general manager type character mm-hmm. that somebody who comes in in some way that like maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars ownership team sent me specifically to round you guys up like right. to give a through line story but that feels so not what so Cody or the Bucks aren't playing that role Cody, in any no. way no like they're playing they're playing a weird game now on AEW where Cody and the Bucks and Kenny Omega are all co-owners of the company mm-hmm. while also being wrestlers and then the decisions kind of just get made well, that certainly is revolutionary. Yes. However, you guys can hear all that talk about AEW on After Buzz's Wrestling and Sports channel on the AEW After Show. I suggest you go check them out because they're fine. They're on after us, so stay here. Don't go anywhere right now. Because well, we got to talk about <laughs> Scott Hall. Stay in this room. Stay right here. Stay right here on the chat. Hey, Two Masta, Black Pill Jesus, the, the Lethal Diva. Everybody's coming out to talk about Scott Hall. We didn't get... I think when when I know we're going to talk about somebody, I'm always like, ooh, it's going to be the juicy negotiation story. It's going to be the how they came to WCW and how they wanted this and that. And then Eric, you know, gives us a 20-minute tutorial on how to negotiate well, which I always love because who doesn't yes. need to know those skills, right? But uh, this one apparently was easy peasy. The <laughs> phone call from DDPZ. I feel like, and plus, too, a lot of this stuff was like, oh, we covered this one on the previous episode of The the Third Man. We covered this one on the previous of The Bash to the Beach and things like that. It's like, I don't know. Sometimes I kind of like the rehashing because I don't go back and re-listen to the episodes. I want to, like, get like, just kind of refresh us every now and then. It's okay. You don't, you don't watch the clips. I curate those. I curate those around the time. I only, wa- I only watch the ones that, that uh, we're, we're, on, we're in. Yeah. Our clips? <laughs> yeah. That's fair. That's very fair. Uh, I... I don't know. I think it's been pretty well documented that the Scott Hall jump from WWF to WCW was less about money and more about dates, mm. which ultimately came to money per hour worked, mm-hmm. which is what we all should be after. And hour worked includes airplane 
like the actual travel to the place, you do the thing at the place and then the travel home. That if you only do a TV, if he's only doing, I think at that time WCW was doing just Monday TVs, like and then and the occasional Sunday pay per view. If you can pay him what WWE was pay, WWF was paying him, maybe even a little less, but he only gets to, he only has to turn up Monday Tuesday or Sunday Monday. Mm-hmm. That's a better deal. Eric did really go out of his way to clarify that Scott Hall was in. His deal was done. He was at WCW before Eric ever started talking to um, um, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin Nash. Uh, thank you so much for helping me out there, no, guys. That I just didn't know who was, whose no, name I was going to say. It, it, uh, go ahead. Go, no. No, I was going to say, it, it's funny because like, that you said that, like, you know, Scott Hall was first. Because I remember when Scott Hall first showed up in WCW, I was shocked. Like, I knew that Kevin Nash was gone. Like, I knew maybe, like, March-ish or so that he was going to WCW. But I had no idea about Scott Hall. Like, that to me was like, oh, my God, it's Razor Ramon. Like, I, I, I legit thought that he was still a WWF guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... That's, I, just, I was just shocked when he showed No, no, that was... <laughs> a, well, because he was the more integral part, which is very fascinating that Nash was the former champion of the two. Yeah. Nash was the former world champion of the two from WWE, WWF. But that Scott Hall was very much the more WWF guy through and through. Mm-hmm. That's I don't know. I find that interesting. Also interesting is that Hulk Hogan was understandably concerned about those two guys coming in. If you guys were a Hulk, what exactly would you be worried about when you hear Scott <laughs> Hall and Kevin Nash it, are coming it, I, to town? It's a, it'd probably be the same as, uh, maybe not here, but just maybe at a regular workplace, you see a younger, cooler better looking like Ooh. just just person just come into the works that were your work area and it's like wow like these are these are the cool guys you have hogan you know obviously he was already pushing 40 maybe like early 40s now you have these other two guys like oh man but also to like they didn't their reputation wasn't really that that good yeah. especially in the wf with the click and you know defecating in people's lunches and whatever it's like you kind of that kind of travels so kind of thing like oh is that what we're gonna get now in wcw and and i've heard eric say this before where uh as well where like people are on the best behaviors but now that once you're settled in it's like okay now the real person comes out Mm -hmm. and um what other guys were hotter than hulk hogan at this time I, i meant physically like better looking, yeah, more attractive. Yeah, yeah. tell yeah. I mean, elaborate. <laughs> tell us who else you like. I mean, Alex Wright was a good looking guy. Let's be real. Wow, didn't think you'd bite on that one. I, was... oh, I don't know. I thought you were really <laughs> asking me a question. I didn't know it was rhetorical. <laughs> we just making a lot. We are having so much fun here. Mario said, "R.I.P. for Paul Bearer." Yes, always, always a little time for that on the show. Uh, well, they're Brock talking a lot Ram- about they're talking a lot about Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman's role in the WWE since he came back with Brock Lesnar and how that has transitioned into his role of running Monday Night Raw. Kind of the Bearded Mohawk and Mario and Ken all in the chat kind of. That's where the conversation was. And I it was, love that. There's a lot of fascinating stuff there. And and somebody had mentioned, I want to say it was Ken Terminated by Google. One of our favorite one of our favorite super chatters today mentioned that Undertaker can hold his own without Paul Heyman, mm-hmm. where the argument could be made. Or sorry, Undertaker could hold his own without Paul Bearer. Mm-hmm. But the argument could be made that Brock Lesnar in this modern era couldn't hold his own without Paul Heyman. Ooh. Reiterating the whole chat, because the chat the chat's kind of blowing up. 
about that, this topic. That is some juicy stuff. You guys just keep chatting away. We'll do the <laughs> same if you have something to say. Just chime in. Because uh, we got to talk about kind of the, I would call this the bomb dropped on this episode. Okay, Eric's talking about anti-heroes and sort of how in the 90s people are sick of seeing the good guy, you know, that take your vitamins and all that stuff. They're sick of seeing the good guy. They want to root for the bad good guy or just the bad guy or the anti-hero as Eric sort of coined the phrase, right? Mm-hmm. But Eric took it a whole nother step further when he said that doing this with NWO, sort of making them the heels, the lovable heels, changed the entire trajectory of the business. And he's not even sure if WWE would be a publicly traded company right now if he hadn't have done this with NWO. Agreed or too lofty? I agree. Well, he... I think oh, Circle gets Oh, you're going to say something nice about our Eric Bischoff okay. tonight, I agree. too, I guess. I, I agree. Circle gets a square. Tic-tac-toe, let's go I home. think this logic that he presented to us makes it really clear why he hates hypotheticals. Because he presented it in such a niche-down way that it's like, I don't think the wrestling business would be different at all if this major thing that happened to it. Like, he was saying, like, oh, the NWO, like, I think it completely changed the business forever. Whereas, like, well, yeah, but... I would argue if he didn't do the NWO or the NWO didn't work out, the the trajectory of overall storytelling at that time in the mid-90s would have got us there anyway, whereas the NWO was the people who took that mantle. Like, I still think if Eric fired Stone Cold Steve Austin and he went down to ECW and then he came up through the the WWF, Mm -hmm. he would have still become Stone Cold Steve Austin and been who he was and been the anti-hero, as we say. It is also... um, WWF and wrestling in particular, somebody becomes an anti-hero, and then they pivot, and then they're just shaking hands and kissing babies again. Mm. It's all John Cena. Right. Like, John Cena was a heel who rapped, and everybody loved that he rapped, so they pivoted to, like, no, he's a babyface. Let's let's stop making him rap. Mm-hmm. That, like, honestly, I think the NWO created a bit of a problem long-term in the wrestling business. You have people like Triple H or The Miz who want to be a heel but still want to sell their t-shirt. Mm-hmm. So that, like, sometimes when you require a pure heel, you don't get it anymore in wrestling. Because of like, oh, no, no, the NWO and Stone Cold Steve Austin and Triple H and all these people, like, they're big successes in the business mm-hmm. because they're the cool heel. Where yeah. sometimes some, you just sometimes you should want the heat. Just so, the heat. So essentially, in, in regard to what Chrissy just said about Bishop, like, so yes, you agree as well. No, I Because they change, they change the same in, in, in that, where, like, you have this heel... That now you have you know, I know they always say that Sing was a top merch seller, but like that doesn't mean that NWO didn't sell millions of millions well, yeah, of, of dollars do. worth of. But again, it changed the business. Like it just you had, and also to not just from a merch standpoint, where it's like you had them Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, you know Hogan, Savage, all those guys that were NWO, and like I, I think it kind of gave WWF a message saying like. Oh, well, we don't have to give these guys all these weird characters. We don't have to give these guys a the ringmaster name or the Isaac Yankum or the Hopper or whatever it is. Like, no, we can we can bank on some of the realism of some of these characters that WCW did first with the NWO. Were you guys as surprised as I was though to hear Eric make such a grandiose statement? He's usually a little more humble than that. No, I think he credit where credit is due. The, the oh, absolutely, it's due. NW, like. And I do, I do think it's worth mentioning that he's not normal. He doesn't normally take this much credit or be this grandiose. Yeah. But when you look in the grand scheme of pro, the pro wrestling business, this is the grandest thing he has to brag about. NWO, but like <laughs> NWO in group wrestling, in a large storyline, in a cool heel, in '90s wrestling, like did really 
form and is one of the biggest things he had his hands on. Mm -hmm. So if there was a time for him to call a spot and be like, yeah, you know, I was involved in that and it was really huge, this would be the thing. And it would also be the week when maybe he's feeling rejected by these people that he's now claiming to be responsible for them being a public company. I like it. Do you think he would? Like you think he wouldn't have made I the same claim if he was still in the company? I don't. Really? I don't think he would have said that had he not uh, left there in the last couple of weeks. Uh, but again, it's sassy. It's juicy. I'm just looking for any juice to okay. squeeze out of this, you I'm, guys. I'm very curious to see. <laughs> I'm very curious because I feel like he would take that kind of credit any other week, right? But you're right. You're right. The juice. We should find it. Uh, Tube News said The Rock had to be a heel before he was a good baby face. There's something to that for sure. Yeah. Well, I think <clears throat> people said that a lot about Roman Reigns. When Roman Reigns, they were trying to force him as this as this good guy, like kiss baby, shake hands, good guy. Mm -hmm. The the thought was, no, you need a double turn. When he first when he first faced Brock Lesnar, like we needed a double turn. We need to hate Roman Reigns, and then we're gonna love him. Mm -hmm. That's what happened with The Rock, and that's what they never did with Roman Reigns. People still don't I think him. he needed a mid-card reign. Well, well, that's just me. Well, I don't think he shield. needed to be heel. Um, well, the shield thing was... No, because you look at everybody. You look at Brett, uh, Sean, The Rock, Steve Austin. They all had that mid-card title before they elevated. That never happened with Roman Reigns. They just said, all right, Roman, you're going to be in the, in the main event. They never did that for Roman Reigns. They did it with John Cena, you know? So it's like... No. Just to kind of bring it full circle, do you guys see the shield as having done anything similar to what NWO did? Um, yes... Because when the Shield first started, they went all in with the Shield. They yeah. were going after main eventers. They were main eventing the, their very first thing, the same way they did with NWO. Mm -hmm. And like I did, I said the thing I said this a couple weeks ago. Like that's why the Nexus didn't didn't work yes. because they never uh, went the all Nexus. in with the Nexus the same way they went all in with the Shield or the NWO. Like, like so no, I, I do think that the Shield has a lot of similarities with the NWO because you know they were all big stars because they were made into big stars mm -hmm. because they cared. I also think there's something to be said about simplicity. That the mm. that if we're talking about the Nexus, the Nexus was not simple. Like the story wasn't as simple as there's a show none of you watched on Sci-Fi. There was a competition show. Wade Barrett won, but now all the all the contestants are one group and they're taken over. And John Cena's kind of a part of it, and then CM Punk's kind of a part of it, and then at one point they split, and there's the core. Like, and then there's was, the rumors that John Cena killed it. Kind of, and like it not, wasn't. Not rumors. It wasn't as simple as the Shield. There are three guys, maybe hired by CM Punk and Brock Lesnar, or CM Punk and Paul Heyman. Maybe not. We don't yeah. know. They came up together, and they're wreaking havoc. That was such a simpler story, and the NWO is also that story of I, these are literal outsiders. I disagree, just because like when Nexus first started, that was like the hottest thing in the business. Like it wasn't until that when Cena at SummerSlam pretty much killed it, because you can think of like, oh well, maybe it was too many people. I know it started off with eight, but then Nexus was seven people. Mm -hmm. NWO kept growing and growing, and it still worked right. for like a good eighty-three weeks. That's a good point. King Possum said, "I hated Nexus." <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I liked the idea of the Nexus. I hated that they didn't just. Well, I also hated that they put them in a position for John Cena to just quite bosh them. Mm -hmm. Whereas they could have taken over without having to fight John Cena for the world title in a way where he had to lose. I heard, I heard it was, I heard it was fine. I heard it was just John Cena just not wanting to do business. I well, didn't love it. I, the man who set the tone with NWO so long back in the day, Eric Bischoff, just bringing it full circle because, of course, we are talking about Scott Hall and NWO. And we have to bring up this idea, like this friendship between Eric and DDP and all the issues that it reportedly caused backstage. I feel like in the past, Eric has kind of um, 
glossed over that. Like, no, like, yeah, we were friends, but no, it wasn't a problem for me or for DDP. And then on this episode, he really did admit that, yeah, no, DDP had some heat from being my BFF backstage. And that Eric also admitting that he saw that and, and it made him concerned for his friends. I, think, I appreciated hearing that. I think that part was interesting because you had, like, DDP kind of saying, like, I want, because you was working his ass off during this time, and, like, I want to get pushed, but I don't want people thinking that I'm just getting pushed because of my friendship with you. Mm-hmm. Where I think he mentioned, like, even Scott Hall was saying, like, like wait, we're going to get heat by being friends, you know, to just kind of this weird dynamic. But, yeah, I, I like that he addressed this part of it. I'm happy he finally addressed this part of it, too, and I think it's very fair of him to be like, hey, because you're my friend, you have to work a little bit harder to prove that you belong where you belong because you're my friend. And because, like, the nar- I don't want the narrative to be that you're where you are because you're my friend. I want mm-hmm. the narrative to be you are where you are because you ditched the cigar. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, a t-shirt, y'all. I think it's safe to say DDP did pretty well for himself, and I don't think anyone is crediting that to his friendship with, <laughs> with Eric Bischoff. Uh, however, Scott, not too good of friends with one Jerry Sags. And I just, I mean, I don't think that's a guy that I would, you know, bother picking a fight with. Jerry Sags or Scott Hall? Jerry Sags. I actually... uh, I mean, either one. (laughs) When Rosenberg was on this panel and we brought up the the Nasty Boys, I thought for sure he was going to tell this story and he alluded to it and he never did, so I have to tell it now. Oh, tell it. Um, Shout out to Christian Rosenberg, our former co-host who we love. Josh Tariff. IOS, uh, IOS Comedy (laughs) Theater, he and I both came up through, had a a tradition because they're not there anymore. They had a tradition called the Armando Show, and it's a storytelling show that happens every Saturday night with a celebrity guest. The um, tradition was also the way you get the celebrity guest to do it is you give them a free open bar tab to do it. The Nasty Boys were the last Armando to have an open bar tab because <laughs> they drank iOS's bar <laughs> out of my, like to what the following week it must have sucked to be the Armando the week after the Nasty Boys would be like we don't. We don't, we don't do, do that anymore. We don't do the we don't do the bar tab anymore. Honestly, it's the reason I was never in Armando. Oh, that is a pretty good story. Uh, shout out to now we got to tell it. You aren't even here. <laughs> Sorry, Rosenberg slash Josh Tariff. Uh, but a great story. But see, that's what I'm saying. Like you don't want to get into it with these guys. They're they're hot. They're possibly intoxicated. Well, I was. And there it all went night. down at this, at this live event many moons ago between Jerry Sags and Scott Hall. So it sounds like Scott threw a chair. Right at the back of Jerry Sags' head, which he specifically was asked not to do. <laughs> it sounded like he threw a Men, chair that not always great at following instructions. That Jerry, that's true. That Jerry Sags initially threw first. Yeah, and just one of those where like I, don't, I was never a big Nasty Boys fan. Yeah, they got a good couple of good matches, but like I don't know. I just I always heard they had a horrible reputation. Yeah, but now like now just the other way around. Like hey, you guys brought it's like a bully where it's like you guys are the one that kind of started it. And now, because somebody else finished it, like, no, like, don't make yourself the victim. Yeah. You know, where it's like, and it's, and even sounded like Scott Hall was like the one trying to not make them fire Jerry Sags for a bit for that kind of behavior. That's what Scott wanted us yeah. to believe, but Eric shot that down <laughs> very quickly. Because even though he was gone anyways, but I think he was just kind of, because he was dealing with whatever the concussion was or whatever. But because mm-hmm. we never saw Jerry Sags ever again on WCW TV. We saw Brian No, Hobbs. But Eric, but Eric addressed Brian that Hobbs. as well. And he was like, listen, these guys were my friends. They were my first friends in the business. I wouldn't have just fired them they probably just yeah. went to japan and didn't come back for a while well also it's no he, he didn't have a clean answer on how the nasty boys left wcw right but he the way he explained it is like i don't know, like because we're talking 97 so this was pre-house show wcw yeah 
So you were really only doing a monthly Sunday TV and then a weekly Monday TV. So if the Nasty Boys... Saturday night. Did they do a Saturday night as they well? Had, they had Saturday night until the very end. Okay, so it was a Saturday, Sunday, Monday loop then? Sometimes not Sunday? So They like, would do tapings. But that would still only be... Like, that would be a pretty limited schedule if the Nasty Boys had more money in Japan. Like, Actually, there was a lot of episodes. They do Worldwide, they do Pro, they do Saturday Night, Nitro. I need to re... For, Clash of the Champions For the show, I months. need to recreate the TV loop for WCW. But those I'm were tapings curious. more. Yeah. So, this episode of 83 Weeks kind of wraps up. We don't get too far into Scott's <laughs> career, and they go, Conrad and Eric go, oh, hey, wait, guys, we're going to have to do this a couple more times. But we do get one more tidbit about, we get we get to the, up to the point where Scott Hall goes to rehab for his addiction issues, and Kevin Sullivan wants to use it as a storyline. They did play with that a little bit, yeah? They did it afterwards, maybe like a, about a year and a half afterwards. Uh, when him and Kevin Nash were feuding. So they kind of did that, where he would come out, pretend to be drunk and whatever. So they did eventually do it. Yeah, and Eric has said that he regrets that. Yeah. I'm happy That's always says. a touchy t- touchy subject. Well, what was your reaction as fans at the time? I, mean, I didn't like it. Even even as a teenager, I'm like, because they, they were doing the same thing with Road Warrior Hawk on Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Where I'm like, I don't know, I just I, I wasn't feeling it. Like, they're just, I, in my mind, even as, as a teenager, I'm like, there are many more creative ways to tell the story. Like, you don't have to, you know, imply that the guy's coming out drunk because sometimes maybe, I, I feel like sometimes that would be an excuse for the guy to really come out drunk. Right. Also, I think he, you, the way to get the 18 to 24 demographic is to actually write for the 18 to 24 demographic, and you're going to get a bunch of people under 18. So alcoholism is not something that actually speaks to a 14-year-old. The Bearded Mohawk said, I love how Eric said they kept paying for his rehab, trying to help. Yes, they did, and I do believe that. And uh, apparently we're going to get more Scott Hall in the future. I want to thank all, wow, ton of you who are hanging out in our live chat. Anthony, Maurice, everybody, our super fan of the night, Ken. Thank you guys so much for joining us live. If you're listening later and you want to join us live, we do this every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific right here on the 83 Weeks channel. Please come and join us. We do hope to have Eric back soon answering your questions. And in the meantime, you can keep up with us. We hope you do. Where do they do that at? Uh, You guys can find me on Twitter almost exclusively. I am at Steve Kaufman. That is K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N. I'm involved in a lot of YouTube pages like the 83 Weeks YouTube page. And if I'm tweeting the link, chances are I'm involved. (laughs) Sorry, I was reading one of the comments. Uh, You can follow me at G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A. G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A. This Friday, this Saturday night, we have a wrestling for wrestling on Bourbon, California, if you're in the area, come by. Darren Young's going to wrestle on the show, Woo! as will I. I'm teaming with Sexy Chino. And yeah, just come on out. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A. And I would love it if you guys would please reach out to me at Christy Reports. Let me know what you love about each episode of this show so I can share it right here. Hit that thumbs up button and uh, come back again next week. Join us live. We will see you there for Halloween Havoc 1997. It's going to be good. Take care. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 